Hello and welcome to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're a startup church we just planted in September 2020. And at the Kalamazoo Church, we believe that Christianity is done best when it is done together. And so if you live in the Kalamazoo area, we would love to connect. Be it coming to a Sunday service, one of our small groups, or even just grabbing coffee with a member to learn more. You can visit kalamazoo.church in order to do that. We pray that you are inspired by what you hear today. Hey, everyone. We were having technical difficulties recording this lesson. So there, the audio isn't as great as it should be. And at about the four-minute mark, there's some missing audio there as well. So we apologize, and I hope you'll still get something from this lesson by Spencer. Thanks. All right. Good morning, everyone. I'll tell you what, uh, I'm really glad that Alec moved this thing down because I was really worried uh, about how tall it was and I had no idea how this worked and, and uh, hey man, Alec uh, always has my back. Um, it's, uh, it's so awesome to be here and, and in this intimate setting like this and, and to be outside and uh, just, just gather together in, in just a place like this. It's not a, a temple, it's not some, some great huge cathedral, there's not thousands of people that don't know each other's names, uh, we're, we're just here together to worship God and, uh, and to hear the word, and uh, it's really great, and I feel honored uh, to be able to uh, bring the word uh, to you all uh, today. Um, today, as, as we uh, are continuing uh, in our lesson series uh, on the book of Acts, we will be in Acts 9 and 10, and Acts 9 and 10, if you don't know, are uh, two of the most important moments in the Bible. In uh, in Acts 9, we see the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, and as we know him, uh, Paul the Apostle, and uh, in Acts 10, we see the opening of the church to the Gentiles, like us here. So uh, we should be very thankful uh, for for that moment as well. Um, I will be in Acts 9.3 in a moment. But before we get there, a little bit more on Saul of Tarsus. To give you a little bit more of of a background as to what he was like and and what's going on on there. And and it kind of makes it a little bit more uh, miraculous in understanding uh, the miracle in Acts 9 that we see. And so Paul, Saul, as we, I'll refer to him as both Saul and Paul today, in doing some digging, uh, looking at some commentaries, and, and throughout the Bible, you can learn that he was a part of the Pharisees, which is the strictest and most self-righteous uh, religious leadership group at the time. He was Greek-educated, which is the equivalent Ivy League today. He was a Roman citizen, which, as we find out later in Acts, provided him multiple, multiple uh, extra uh, type of rights that that people that weren't Roman citizens uh, wouldn't receive. And then he was the lead persecutor of the church at the time. He absolutely hated. Christians. He hated the way, as as he refers to it 
and he was willing to travel as far as he needed to to stomp out the church. As I go forward in, in my lesson today, I, I was able to, to pick apart, and, and, and thanks to, to God and, and through prayer and asking for a focus in, in the lesson today, there's, there's going to be three main takeaways from the lesson today. And, and this, this three lessons that, that were taken away for today are, one, we don't have to break the ice in evangelism. God does it for us. Two, know your role, accept your role, and how it changes. And three, God doesn't need gatekeepers. He needs good news shares. Okay. All right, bro. And so, with the first point, we're going to be in Acts 9-3. And I'll read 3 through 19. Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Stop here. I don't know about you all, but I can get myself into a rut with evangelism. And in a part of that rut, is I feel like it's cold contacts, right? And when it's a cold contact, I feel like I have to be the one to start the conversation, to get the conversation to Jesus. I feel like it's all up to me, and then I feel like I'm stuck. It's paralysis by analysis. When I read this scripture, in verse 3 through 6, when it says... As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. What I see here is that God breaks the ice and he makes the first contact to Paul before Paul is in contact with any other disciples. Now, God doesn't break the ice like this forever. He doesn't knock you to the ground and send Jesus in a blinding light. But Paul is a special case. Paul needed to be knocked to the ground. Now, what he might do is, is like what we see in the previous chapter with the Ethiopian eunuch. He might put on someone's heart to start reading the Bible. Or... Or like we see in the next chapter with Cornelius the Centurion, he might put on someone's heart to fear him and start praying to him. But it's always God that makes the first contact. Like we see Jesus making the first contact here to Saul. And then all that the disciple from Damascus named Ananias did was come, lead him to baptism, and into the fellowship. What we do read here is that Ananias was initially reluctant. But what he does is he eventually trusts in God and God telling him here that the first contact has been made. In verse 11 and 12, we see how the first contact was made when it says, The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on straight sheet and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. 
It's not cold contacts that we're making with people in evangelism. God prepares and softens people's hearts. Have any of you ever had a cold contact sales job? Anyone? Yeah? I've, I've never had uh, that as my specific job, but it was a part of my job. There was a, a strength performance company that was a startup that I was a part of, and, and one of my roles was to bring people in for personal training. Okay. I had to go to these different nutrition and wellness expos and, and just make sure to strategically go to different nutrition stores or sporting events where I could go and bring people in, random people that I've never met, to ask them about personal training. You know, like that's, that, you know, that could be, you know, pretty, pretty insulting to uh, sometimes to go up to somebody like, hey, you know, I think you need personal training. Uh, it, it was awful. I, I really, I did not like, I didn't like it at all. Like, it was brutal. It was really hard to, to think of a way to start the conversation. It was really hard to, to try to steer the conversation to the sale. And, uh, and I eventually passed it along to, to another employee and, and, and stopped doing it altogether. Fortunately, fortunately, evangelism is not cold contact sales. All we need to do is help the people take the final steps. Like Ananias did here in verse 17 through 19 by guiding Paul to baptism and into the fellowship. Now my question for us here is, do you need to change your mindset with evangelism? I know I do. And and preparing this scripture and God putting this on my heart is So, so going forward into this week and, and into this summer, I, I, I know that it's important for all of us to remember that God makes the first contact in evangelism, and therefore, it should be a lot simpler task for all of us. Moving along to my next point, I want to focus on Ananias. Okay. Okay. Know your role, accept your role, and how it changes. Let's turn to Acts 919B, and I will read 919B through 20. In 19B, it says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. What we already know here from earlier in chapter 9 is that Ananias met up with Paul in Damascus and help get him to baptism. Then yeah. the next thing we see is Paul, Paul do is spend several days with the disciples in Damascus and begin preaching to them right away, as it says in verse 20. So it's safe to assume that Ananias was the one that led Paul into the fellowship and to the other disciples. Okay. Theologians believe, and Paul alludes to it in Acts 22, that Ananias was one of the highly respected members of the church in, in Damascus. He was quite possibly one of the leaders. And he for sure was one of the guys that Paul was coming for to arrest. Ananias seemingly has every right to be prideful towards Paul and try to enforce power over him after his conversion. But he doesn't. He trusted God and saw Paul's gifts and the potential for the church and not only brought him to the disciples in Damascus, but stepped to the side and allow Paul to begin to preach. My question for us here is, 
Do you know and accept your role for this church? And are you willing to have it change? I would be willing to bet that before today, most of us would not be able to answer the question, who was the disciple that led Paul to baptism and into the fellowship? Ananias was a role player in the building of the church. And he shined when his moment came because all he did was what he was told. Wow. Right now, Brole is the worship leader of this church. Come on, come on, and, and at first, at first that might have seemed a little bit crazy, right? Like, oh, whoa. And, but he stepped up and, and he has played his role. And he's done a great job. He's done the job that has been asked of him. But, I know there will come a day when a very talented new disciple comes along and we will all know that it is time for Joe to retire. (laughs) (laughs) And even if, even if before this person was a disciple, they were a persecutor of the church and an enemy of Joe's, I know that Joe will step to the side and play his new role and lift this person up who is, right. who is replacing yeah, him. Right. Now, it might take a couple of longer conversations with Joe, <laughs> but but it'll happen, right? I know Joe, okay? <laughs> Going forward with this church, and as it changes, and as we grow, and as we're continuing to build, I want to encourage all of us here to take the same posture as Ananias. No one accept our roles as they are and as they change. Now for the final takeaway of the day, we're going to move along into Acts 10. God doesn't want gatekeepers. He wants good news sharers. Now Acts 10 plays out a great day in the church as it was opened to the Gentiles. We all wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. Now, a little bit of a background that I found in some digging uh, that will help give us a little bit better perspective here on the relationship of the Jews and the Gentiles at the time. For thousands of years, Jews and Gentiles hated each other. Take any racial or religious or ethnic tensions that we have today and multiply it by Jesus, and we have their relationship at the time. Jews saw Gentiles as unclean and disgusting, godless creatures, and it was against their law to associate with them. And Gentiles saw Jews as crazy, self-righteous weirdos, and they tried to avoid all interaction with each other. Now, for this scripture, add to the fact that this Gentile was a Roman soldier, a member of arguably the most evil and oppressive that we have ever seen. We are picking up in this chapter in Acts 10, 27 through 29, and then we'll skip forward to 34 and 35. When we pick it up in 10, 27, we see Peter and Cornelius first meeting each other. God led these men to this meeting by coming to both of them in visions during prayer time. And here in Acts 10.27 it says, While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, 
You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Then Cornelius explains his vision and why he sent for Peter. And we pick it back up in 34. Then, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. After this, we see Peter get up and share the good news about Jesus to these Gentiles, and they receive the Holy Spirit and get baptized. I mean, wow, right? Like, I don't, like what, what Jaron talked about with, with communion earlier, like we can get a little bit jaded, uh, you know, with, with communion sometimes. I don't ever want to get jaded about what we just read here. Right? This was a common Jewish fisherman who surely hated the oppressive Roman soldiers that were around him in that day. And he went to one of their houses and led them and their entire family to Jesus. If Peter was kind of like a Hebrew this wouldn't have happened. If you've never heard of a Hebrew before or don't have a full grasp on that, um, They killed him by hanging him on a cross, 
but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Amen. If Peter was playing gatekeeper here, he would have said, no way. I am not preaching about Jesus to a Roman soldier and his family. Do you know how they act towards Jews? Do you know how unclean they are? He didn't do that. He just trusted in Jesus. Now, I want to challenge all of us here going forward on this mission to eliminate our tendency to play gatekeeper for God and start focusing on just sharing the good news everywhere we go. In conclusion for today, God breaks the ice for us in evangelism. And thank God that he does. God has a role for us, and great things will happen if we accept and play our role. And God doesn't need gatekeepers. He needs good news sharers. If we take these three points and apply them to our lives, this church will grow in miraculous ways. We will be more out there evangelizing. Right? More people will come to Jesus because of us out there sharing the good news. And we will be more effective and efficient working together as a team for God's church. Thank you so much for listening to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. If you're in the Kalamazoo area, we'd love to get connected. Please go to kalamazoo.church and fill in your information to come to a Sunday service or any other event that we have going on. In any case, you'll be hearing from us next week. Saving souls.